0: This is Mind Speak. Everything you thought you knew about health is about to be turned on its head. I'm Holly Higgins, a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I'm here to show you how your mind can heal your body, your body can heal your mind, and no matter what you've been told, you are in the driver's seat of your life. Let's go. Welcome back to the show. We are back in solo episode territory again. It's just me and you. I think we're alone now. Today I want to talk about anxiety. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All kinds of anxiety, generalized anxiety, social anxiety, nameless anxiety, anxiety at large, and my relationship with anxiety and how my relationship with anxiety has transformed. I was inspired to do this episode today, actually. It's the day before Tuesday. Sometimes I really procrastinate on recording these episodes, but usually what happens when I procrastinate is I get hit with a bolt of inspiration and something that I feel called to talk about. And so there's a gift in the procrastination too. There's a gift in all of the ugly things. And I was inspired to record this episode because of the post I did today on Instagram about social anxiety, and it got a ton of feedback from you guys saying, me too. Oh my gosh, I've never thought about it this way. This is so helpful. So I thought I would Elaborate on these concepts for you because in that post, I talk about my anxiety being a gift and being a compass. And for a long, long time, I absolutely did not look at it that way. And I heard people talk about anxiety and especially sensitivity. You know, like this idea of being a highly sensitive person, which I am, and I really hate that term, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But I'd heard people talk about this idea of anxiety or hypersensitivity being a gift and something that you can harness, and it can be your greatest superpower. And I'm like, I'm over here having a panic attack, and you're trying to tell me that I have a superpower. Kindly go insert expletive here. (laughs) I was just not having it. And I've gotten to a place where I can see the truth in that. And I'm like, oh, that's what they meant. Okay. And I think if somebody had broken it down for me in a slightly different way, I may have understood this better a long time ago. And I may have seen the truth in this a long time ago, but whenever people say, like, sensitivity is your greatest superpower and blah, 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 it just, to me, it always sounded like airy, fairy, super-duper spiritual hogwash, and, and I'm a super-spiritual person, but it it, w- it was just on a level where I was like, can you break it down for me in 12-year-old boy language? <laughs> Which is what I always try to do here on the podcast is like take these big floaty esoteric woo-woo concepts and break them down for you in a way that makes sense. So I'm hoping by the end of this episode that I will maybe convince you that your sensitivity is a superpower and that your anxiety is a gift. And if I don't, that's okay because I'm actually not here to convince you. I'm just here to offer you information and see what sticks with you. And if it sticks with you, you can stick around. And if you're like, Holly, my anxiety is not a superpower. Kindly go expletive yourself in a corner. That's okay, too. But anyway, here's my perspective. I look at anxiety and sensitivity as a compass or as an alarm system that is calling us to take care of ourselves. And if your anxiety bells are firing, they're asking you to pay attention to them. And they're asking you to look at what needs healing. And often, what needs healing, it's, it's not a simple answer. It's, it's complex, And sometimes messy and difficult. And I think that's why we push against anxiety so much is because the things that these alarm bells, if anxiety is an alarm bell, these things that the alarm bells are calling us to heal, they're often messy and painful and things that we don't want to look at and things that we don't want to take time for. And it seems like a huge pain in the butt. So instead of asking the alarm bells, hey, what are you trying to tell me? What do I need to feel better? We look at these alarm bells and we curse these alarm bells and we just try to silence them. My anxiety is awful. It's terrible. I can't stand it. I've just got to find a way to silence it. I've got to find a way to push it underwater because it's so unbearably uncomfortable And I know how that feels because I've dealt with anxiety for most of my life. And at certain points in my life, it's gotten very, very loud, very painful, very uncomfortable to the point where it doesn't feel safe or okay to be in my body. And... You know, if you had told me at those really unbearable points in my life where, like, for instance, in 2012, I was drinking a bottle of wine a day just to keep my hands from shaking. That's how bad my anxiety was. And um, I was on benzodiazepines and antidepressants. And again, I'm not here to convince you of a perspective on any of those things because, all of those things actually played a role in my journey, and I'm just I'm just here to offer information. So I'm not here to talk about my perspective on medication, which, by the way, my perspective is do what works for you always, but I'm just painting a picture here of how bad it was. I was drinking a bottle of wine a day. I was on multiple medications. I... Also was diagnosed with agoraphobia at one point because I was afraid to leave my house. I physically just did not want to go anywhere. And at that point especially, I was really, really being called to take a serious look at some things in my life and to really heal some things in my life. But that was almost too scary to do, and I just wanted to quiet the sensation. So I believe that anxiety is always calling us to look at things and to heal things. But sometimes when that feels too big and too scary, we instead resist the anxiety and we curse it and we say go away. Ah, uh, why do I have you? You cause so much pain in my life. You're such you're like an annoying neighbor who's ruining my life and I can't get away from you and I just want you to be quiet and I just want you to go away and I just want some peace in my life. Can you please just go away? You're the worst thing about me and I hate you. And I know that's how I felt for a very long time, especially when things were really, really bad for me and it's so counterintuitive because the more you resist anxiety, the more you fight it and curse it and try to push it down or try to numb it, the louder and louder it gets because it's it's there in the background saying, "Hey, I have a message for you. I'm trying to tell you about this fire that's going on over here that you really need to put out." And and you're not paying attention to me. I'm trying to tell you about this fire and you're just ignoring me. Can you please pay attention to me? And you say, not now, not today. And then the fire gets bigger and bigger, and your anxiety gets louder and louder and louder. What's that saying? What you resist persists. And I've found that to always be true with anxiety. The more I try to ignore it, the louder it gets. So for me personally, and again, I'm just using myself personally as an example to illustrate some of these concepts. This isn't like Holly's life story with her anxiety. This is just me illustrating what's worked for me um, as an example of how I've moved through this. Once I found some baseline stabilization through simple self-care practices, I say simple, not always easy, but simple, Once I got my diet in check, once I got my blood sugar balanced, once I started honoring my emotional needs more, that fire and those alarm bells calmed down. And then once they calmed down a little bit, I could really start to listen to what they were trying to tell me. And I'm going to take us back to episode two. Um, if you haven't listened to that one, its I, th- I think it's one of the most important messages I will ever share on this podcast that was passed down to me from a practitioner that I worked with for a couple of years. But whenever my anxiety – and I also – quick interjection, I try not to say my anxiety, and I've probably said it like 50 times on this podcast already, but I try not to say, I am working on trying not to say my anxiety because it's not something that I want to (laughs) claim. You know, I say my computer, my husband, my car. I love all of those things, but I don't want to claim anxiety as mine and watch me. I'll probably say it 50 more times, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, whenever anxiety creeps up for me, I ask myself the question, what do you need to heal? What do you need to heal or what needs attention? Because I know now whenever these symptoms of anxiety creep in for me, racing heart, flushing cheeks, feeling like I'm missing out on something, feeling panicky, feeling like there's not enough time left. Um, You know what anxiety feels like. I don't have to tell you what it feels like. But whenever I feel these symptoms creeping in, I ask myself what needs attention. And I just get quiet and I listen to my intuition. And you can do this too. A lot of people tell me oh, I'm not intuitive, or I don't know how to be in touch with my intuition, or I don't know how to get answers from my own body. And it's just because you haven't sat with yourself long enough. You haven't asked yourself those questions and seriously given yourself a moment of pause in order to learn how to build that muscle of trust with yourself. I promise, if you, and it doesn't have to be like this sacred ritual where you light a candle and pull a card and burn sage like you don't have to do all that you can do all of that it's fun (laughs) but even if you can just take a minute to get quiet and ask yourself what needs your attention right now what do you need to heal I promise something will come up for you and a lot of people tell me they do this and they just burst into tears because they've been digging and digging and digging for the answers and googling things about vitamins and genetic pathways and mold and whatever else on Google, trying to find the answer of why they don't feel well. And then when they just get quiet and they ask themselves why they don't feel well and what needs attention, their body answers them immediately and yours will too. And so if you ask the anxiety. See, I didn't say your or mine. I said the. If you ask the anxiety what the message that it has for you is, it might tell you, you need to rest. It might tell you, you need to connect with people. It might tell you, you need to eat. (laughs) It might tell you, you need to do that thing that you keep saying that you're going to do that you keep not doing and it's just driving you crazy. So can you please just do it and go get it over with so we can both be happier? <laughs> it might tell you, you really need to get that toxic person out of your life. They are such a drain on your energy and they're dragging dragging you down and you just really need to set some boundaries. It might tell you that you're overcommitting, that you're giving too much of yourself, and the reason that you feel like the frayed ends of a rope unraveling and coming apart is because you have nothing left for yourself because you've given it all away. On the other hand, it might tell you that you're undercommitting. It might tell you that you are, as Dr. Nicole says, engaging in self-betrayal abandoning yourself, not keeping promises to yourself. And that's why you feel anxious. I don't know what it's going to tell you. Only you can ask and sit and listen for the message and don't be afraid of the tears that will inevitably come. Only you can ask that question and only you can find the answer. But I encourage you to do this because this is how you start listening to your alarm bells and leaning in to your anxiety as a gift because it only feels like a curse when you resist these alarm bells, when you lean into them and you ask why, and then you give attention to those needs and you see the fire calms down and the alarm bells get quieter and quieter as you honor yourself and you honor your needs, then you're like, oh, cool. This is just a feedback system. I can roll with this. And that's not to say that it's always easy or fun. It's not because often those alarm bells are calling us towards some very hard work and some very hard decisions. (laughs) So I'm not going to play like this is easy because it's not, but it's so rewarding and you can build so much trust in yourself as you lean into this. And you can come to rely on yourself as the steerer of your own ship, yourself as your own oracle, as your own guide, as your own guru. And that is the most phenomenal feeling in the world where you just trust yourself so deeply to know that you've got your own back and you know how to do it. And the way that you learn how to do it is you just practice this skill over time. Okay, my alarm bells are going off. What do I need? How do I meet that need? If I can't meet that need right now, let's say I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you're in a super toxic situation with some kind of relationship that you can't break off immediately. I've been in this situation. (laughs) So let's say you're in a super toxic relationship. You can't end it right away. Okay, how can you create boundaries? How can you... Baby step your way out. How can you set those limits for yourself, even if you can't do the big, scary thing that you know you need to do? Because a lot of people, I, I um, talk about this concept of listening to yourself and honoring your needs. And there's there's huffery and puffery, and it's like, oh, Holly, you don't understand. I would love to meet my needs. I would love to take care of myself, but my needs. My needs are unmeetable. They are impossible, and I cannot do them. And I hear you. But is the baby step impossible? Probably not. Damn it, Holly, you win again. Don't you love when I have these imaginary conversations with you? Me too. It's my favorite. (laughs) Another big lesson with anxiety that I don't think I mentioned, so mentioned leaning into what you need. Do you need to leave a relationship? Do you need to eat a good meal? Do you need to take a nap? Like All of these basic five-year-old things that we all have a really, really hard time doing for ourselves because we're so busy and overcommitted, these are really, really important. <laughs> we do- we all just need to like parent the ish out of ourselves, <laughs> just... Just take care of yourself like you would a five-year-old and your anxiety is going to feel so much better. But aside from these very like basic animal self-care things with anxiety, there's also this bigger, more spiritual, more, oh, should I pull out my pot smoking in the basement voice? I'm not going to do it. I won't be obnoxious today. But there's also this bigger question of trusting life. Do... You trust your life. Do you trust God? Do you trust the universe? Do you trust Freddie Mercury, whoever you believe in? (laughs) Do you trust your life? Do you trust that there's a safety net that you'll always be taken care of, that your life has a path, that your life has a purpose, that your life has meaning, and that whatever happens spiritually, whatever that looks like for you, you'll be okay. That's a big one. And I know when we struggle with anxiety and we feel out of control, that's a huge, huge, huge missing piece for a lot of us. And that's not as simple as, like, hey, eat some protein. (laughs) Although protein can really help, it's not as simple as, like, go eat some protein or take a nap or take a salt bath. That's bigger, deeper inner work that takes time. And is very, very personal. But I know for me it's been absolutely transformational to cultivate spirituality as part of my path because I was atheist slash agnostic for a very long time. And that didn't that didn't work well for my anxiety. Again, not being prescriptive, not telling anybody what to do, just talking about my own experience. I needed to lean in to believing that something, someone had my back, that there was a safety net, that everything in my life had happened for a reason, that everything in my life was a teacher. And that gave me so much peace when I could embrace that. I still get anxiety. I still have flare-ups. I listen to what they say and and I take action accordingly. But leaning into the idea that there was this big safety net of the universe and I was being ushered along for a reason that was beyond my comprehension, was absolutely transformative in my relationship with anxiety. Just knowing that the universe has my back and something that was particularly helpful, and this sounds a little bit morbid, (laughs) but I would look back on my life and I would say, well, I've been through all that. And I'm still not dead. So if I can get through all that, I'm pretty sure I can get through whatever's coming next. And the fact that I'm still here is a miracle. So universe lady upstairs must want me here for a reason. Cool. I'm going to keep on trucking. <laughs> and that sounds morbid and it sounds comical, maybe, but that gives me so much peace. Like, I'm not dead yet. Woohoo! And I want to talk just for a minute about social anxiety in particular, because I think social anxiety is interesting and it's a little bit different of a beast. Because sometimes when we lean into social anxiety and we lean into, okay, what is this feeling trying to tell me? Sometimes we're just met with the negative chatter in our heads of, I'm not good enough. These people don't like me. I'm so awkward. Why am I always so awkward? I can't fit in. I'm terrible at conversations. I'm so shy. I feel broken. I feel like I don't know how to interact with people. That's that's always the narrative that would go through my head when I had a really severe flare of social anxiety. And my social anxiety used to be terrible. People are very surprised when they hear that. Now, you seem you seem so at ease and, and so welcoming and open around people. And I am now, but I was not always like that at all. And I still get little flare-ups of social anxiety, but it, now I know how to listen to them and how to just dis- discern the messages and um, how to tune in to what I need. But like I was saying, sometimes social anxiety is tricky because if you really lean into yourself and what you're thinking and what you're feeling, a lot of times it will just be a lot of really, really negative self-talk. And so that's not, you know, those aren't negative self-talk. Those aren't the messages that we want to trust and that we want to believe and that we want to lean into. You know, we always want to have, or I always want to have a much more compassionate, gentle, loving approach with myself. So when you're leaning into social anxiety and you're leaning into these messages and asking, okay, what do I need right now? It's twofold. Because sometimes I believe that social anxiety is actually a messenger. It is actually your highly attuned spidey sense telling you that the people or the person that you're not around is not a good match for you. And I believe most people with anxiety are, you know, what we would call highly sensitive, which oh, I just hate that term so much. <laughs> I want to call it highly highly badass mofo with a a superpower of detecting BS. <laughs> Because that's really what it is. If you are a highly sensitive person, you have a highly tuned, highly refined nervous system that is intolerant to crappy people, crappy food, crappy thoughts. It will just shut all of that stuff out. So I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do some thinking on it, but I'm going to come up with a new term for highly sensitive person that doesn't make us all sound like sad little wilting daisies. Because actually, we are the most powerful people on the planet because we have these highly attuned, built-in BS detectors. Anyway, I'm off on another tangent. This is the tangent episode. Anyway, social anxiety, I think, can also be your highly attuned spidey sense your nervous system, all of these things about the human body and our energy field and intuition, all of these things that we don't have really cut and dry explanations for, we'll just call it your spidey sense. Social anxiety can be your spidey sense picking up on somebody who's not a great idea for you. Have you ever met somebody and your spidey sense tell you tells you, oh, you probably don't want to get tangled up with this person. And then you're like, no, they're great. Oh, they're so amazing. Look how fun and nice and, and cool they are. And then you get tangled up with them. And then like two weeks, six months, a year, however long down the line, you're like, dang it. Spidey sense was right. I shouldn't have gotten tangled up with them. I knew it all along. I knew they were a bad idea. And this isn't just in romantic relationships. This can be in all sorts of interactions or relationships. You've had that happen to you, right? Sometimes that's what social anxiety is. is It's your nervous system saying, Hey, these aren't your people. This isn't the crowd you want to get tangled up with. So I'm going to send off the alarm bells so you feel super weird so you get the F out of here. Sometimes that's what it is. And sometimes... Actually, all the time listening to that is really helpful (laughs) to keep us from getting tangled up in things that we shouldn't get tangled up in. But how do you differentiate between that and how do you learn to trust that versus working through your own what we would call shyness or just apprehension to be around people in general? that apprehension that really comes from a deep sense of not feeling good enough um, is usually what it is. Or a lot of us have the sense that that either we're not good enough or a lot of us are afraid to shine our light too bright. So it's like, well, I don't want to be myself around these people because then my light would be shining too bright and then they would feel bad about themselves So I'm going to cower over here in a corner and I'm going to hide my magic because I don't want anybody else to feel threatened by my magic, threatened by my magic or my light or my voice or my talent or my intellect or whatever it is. So often we play small and we shut ourselves down and we get shy and we get quiet and it comes from usually from one of those two things. It's not everything, but very often it's one of those two things. I don't feel good enough or I don't want to shine my light too bright. And when that's the case, when that's the case, you have to tune into that and you have to learn how to differentiate between is my nervous system telling me that these just aren't my people and these people might be dangerous or maybe they're not even dangerous or or toxic or anything like that. But maybe they're just not your people. Maybe you just don't vibe with them. That's, that's okay. So is that the message your anxiety is sending you? The anxiety. See, I'm catching myself. Is that the message? Or is the message coming from those negative stories in your brain of, I'm not good enough or I'm too much? And if the message is coming predominantly from those stories, then you know the message there is the inner work. The inner work of knowing that you're always enough, you always have been, and you always will be enough. And the inner work of knowing that you can never be too much for the people who are your people. And again, there's no, there's no, um, bow to put on that of like i'll just go read this one book and you'll be fine and you'll you'll always know that you're amazing um that work is is a spiral path and there can be many things along that path but just knowing that if those thoughts are coming up for you then that work is coming up for you and i think there's a fine line there because we don't want to get into this place where if we always feel anxious around people <laughs> We have this excuse of like, well, my nervous system told me they were a bad idea. (laughs) Everybody's a bad idea. We don't want to fall into that camp. And we also really want to listen to any of those negative stories that are coming up for us about not being good enough or being too much. And I think learning how to differentiate those takes time. And it's a dance because at least when I'm around people socializing requires a bit of efforting. It's not, um, like, I have to think about it. I have to think about, oh, I'm in this conversation. I'm talking. What do I want to say next? So simultaneously running that program and running these programs of like, okay, I'm checking in with myself. How do I feel about this situation? How do I feel about this crowd? How do I feel about these thoughts in my head? It gets to be a lot, (laughs) right? Because you're monitoring how you're showing up in the outside world and you're monitoring your inner world simultaneously. And then and then the alarm bells are just going to tell you you need a nap because it's too much. So I know all of this can feel very overwhelming, but it's just a muscle. It's just something to practice. And I promise, I promise, I promise it does get easier over time. And it's an incredible skill to harness. And the message that I have in all of this is that social anxiety, anxiety, all of the anxieties, we can look at them as a curse or we can befriend them. We can get curious. We can ask what they're trying to tell us. And it's brave work and very often it's ugly work, but it's better than the whole resisting and persisting game. That's it for my closet ramblings this week. Don't forget you can head over to mindspeakpodcast.com backslash sabotage to download your free self-sabotage ebook and bonus audio. And I'm going to have something new, a new little bonus coming up. I think what I'm going to do, I haven't totally decided yet, but I think what I'm going to do My RTT clients are telling me, even when their RTT session is not focused around sleep, almost all of my RTT clients are telling me, I'm sleeping like a baby. I'm having the best, most amazing sleep. And so I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to create a free sleep hypnosis audio for you so you can experience what that is like it just feels like a guided meditation, really. You can experience what that is like, and maybe, who knows, it'll help out with your sleep. So I'm thinking about doing that. If it's not that, it'll be another free goodie within the next couple weeks. But I'm because I'm so tired of saying that URL, and you guys are probably like, I've already subscribed. Can you please be quiet now? Ugh. So anyway, new free bonus coming your way. <laughs> Here soon. But until next time. Go believe in you. I do.